Hello, thanks so much for tuning in to our podcast. I'm Michael Grant, Senior Pastor of Faith Worship Center International right here in Columbus, Georgia. Today, I'd like to share a word straight from God that's just for you. I hope you're prepared. Grab your pen, paper, your tablet. Most importantly, grab your Bible, your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And let's prepare to take notes on what God has to share with you on today. I'm excited for you because you're about to grow to a greater place of faith in God. Let's tune into the word. I want to share a word with you today that I heard in my spirit as we were as a church family. We are coming off of a and actually a 39 day fast. It was set for 40 days, but I shaved a day or two off of it. I actually, we meant to set it for 40, set it for 41 and took two off of it. And uh, so 39 days, somebody say, what's 39 about? You should be posting that right now with a question mark. What's 39 about? 39, the Bible denotes that Jesus was scourged for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was placed upon him. And with his stripes, the Bible says that any criminal should not be scourged more than 40 stripes. So those who are of Israel uh, upbringing and culture, they say we're going to do 40 minus one and only allow 39 stripes. Somebody say, thank God for 39 stripes. <laughs> thank you for 39 stripes. And so because he endured 39 stripes, we believe uh, that today we have life and we have it more abundantly. Listen, listen, I deserve to be scourged every day. <laughs> I deserve to be beaten. I deserve to be chastised for the sake of sin, the nature of sin that's on the inside of me. But because of the goodness of Jesus taking on sin on my behalf, I walk free. I walk whole. I walk healed and I walk redeemed. So we're coming off of that 39 day dog. Y'all got me preaching by the fast. 39 days for every stripe he endured, we denied ourselves that we might know him, as Paul said, in the fellowship of his suffering. So that after we know him in his suffering, then we can experience the power of resurrection. Turn to your neighbor and say, happy resurrection Sunday. Happy resurrection Sunday. <laughs> and during that time of fasting and spending quality time with the Lord, you experienced it as well, but I heard the Lord speak of this time uh, to tell the people we've been revived. Yeah, yeah. Let's make it personal. Let me hear you say that. Say, I've been revived. I've been revived. I know you don't feel it right now, but I want to show you how we have transitioned into a place of experiencing not only revival. Sometimes when we think about revival, we think about a, a, a style of service or a moment of 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 heightened worship as a corporate body but I've been persuaded of the Lord that revival never starts with the masses revival starts with the one yeah revival starts with God causing an awakening within the heart of one individual and it gets so contagious it's almost COVID 19 ish elder it get all on the inside of one and when they release their breath in the presence of others it what's in them gets on others and it begins to spread somebody say revival is about to be a pandemic 
Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a new pandemic on the way, and it's called the presence of Almighty God. And when He breathed the breath of life into our nostrils, I got contaminated with something that I just ain't been able to shake. Ever since I came into contact with the gospel, the good news of who Jesus was, every place I go, the Bible says, everywhere the soles of my feet tread upon, I get to contaminate. Turn to your neighbor and say, Excuse me if I'm a little infectious this morning. But I done caught on to something that I just can't tend to shake. Somebody say, I've been revived. I've been revived. I've been revived. I've been revived. Here's what I mean. Uh, at this time, just a year ago, 12 months ago, just a year ago, we didn't have the ability to come together and celebrate the resurrection of our risen Savior. Now, yeah, yeah. We didn't have options. We, matter of fact, here in this local gathering, y'all had to sit at home while we had brunch with Bishop. Y'all remember that? And it was frustrating to us because in that moment where we knew that the world needed to hear in the midst of pandemonium that there was hope, that there was good news that we didn't have the ability to express the gospel in like manner and so we began to be concerned. Somebody say concerned. We got concerned with the state of our world. We got concerned with the posture of our community. We got concerned with the state of the church because we were always uh, bought into the reality that we should forsake not the assumption together of ourselves that's Bible somebody say that's Bible we should never be of a mindset of, of distancing ourselves from one another but but that the situation being what it was we were recommended strongly recommended to, to disperse and to dispense and so we were concerned about the posture of the church and it didn't get any better over the course of the months April to May May to June numbers begin to rise the scientists thought that the warm weather was going to burn it out only to find that once winter or, or fall months came around we were still right in the thick of a pandemic and the society as we knew it began to be concerned but now I'm looking around and numbers are dropping I'm looking around and people are getting strength back yes some taking the vaccine some not but all I'm here to tell you is if I compare today with 12 months ago I'm not in the same situation that I was in we're not in the same pos position that we're in watch I've shifted from being concerned to being quickened. <laughs> I want to tell you. I want to. I want to. I want to give you that for a moment. Here's what. Here's what Paul uh, depicted it as in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 25. It's so prophetic as to the posture of our society from April 2020 to now April 2021. The Bible says that the first man, Adam, was a living soul, meaning he was needy of the presence of God in order to be able to have his mind regulated, to have his emotions stabilized and to have his desires in alignment with the things of God. But the Bible goes on to say that, but that last man, Adam, <laughs> that last man, Adam, whom we know to be Emmanuel, God with us, not one who was merely hewed out of the presence of God, but one who stands as God, who stands as the living, breathing expression made flesh. The word made flesh dwelt among us, God. He was, was the last man, Adam, the Bible says, was a quickening spirit. Somebody say quickening. 
quickening. You know, now, now I want to I want to teach a little bit here now, because oftentimes, especially those of us who grew up in the Pentecostal, charismatic, evangelical type of church setting, when we think of quickening, we think, oh, Shabandia Habase of the Holy Ghost tickling us and us getting a little quick and tickle. I would like to submit to you that though the presence of God, the Bible says the wind bloweth where it listeth and so are those that are of the spirit of God. Meaning when the spirit move or, or your prophets say when he move, you move just like that. You get to moving when the Holy Ghost get to moving upon you and it causes you to respond. Yeah, that takes place but it's more than just a response. It's an awakening on the inside of me that not just causes me to quicken in the presence but it causes me to quicken when I'm in the midst of darkness. It causes me to quicken when I'm in the presence of opposition. It causes me to quicken even when the enemy comes in like a flood I find strength to be alive and well as God has called me to do. That last man Adam the Bible says was a quickening spirit. Watch he's not waiting to receive life. He's a life giver. He's been quickened. He's been quickened to get that term quickened specifically means giving of life. It can be synonymous with the term revived to quicken revive. I want to show you this in the book of uh, Psalm Psalm 119. I want to show you what God this work that God has begun on the inside of us. Psalm 119 verse number 25. The Bible says my soul cleaveth unto the dust. So quicken thou me according to thy word translation of quicken in that text is to be revived somebody say I've been revived yeah I've been quickened I've been made alive it says my soul cleaved to the dust my my mind tends think about dust think about Genesis chapter number two where the Bible said that God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathe that infectious life-giving breath on the inside of him and we know that because of the fall of man there was a divide between the soul and spirit of man and because of that fall our minds tends to cling to the dust as opposed to clinging to the spirit of God on the inside of us what do I mean by that let's make it plain sometimes you want to do wrong sometimes you don't feel like uh, reading the word of God there are times that you want to do what you know is contrary to the word of God and what the enemy does in those moments is he tries to influence you into thinking that that's just who you are that's a problem with the world we have today people just want to be as they were and they feel the way that they were born they just ought to be it my Bible tells me that you must be born again <laughs> so all of us who are born with flaws and failures and, and, and blemishes and things of the like we all must be born again I'm gonna get back to that later on this month but we understand that our soul tends it has a tendency a propensity to cleave like a woman and a man cling to one another. That's the same context there that the Bible says for this purpose a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Is there anybody that can be honest and say if I don't keep my prayer life right, if I don't stay in the word of God, if I don't continue to fellowship with other believers, I have a propensity to just cling and cleave to ungodliness. All of us find I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what your dust is but we all got dust. Somebody say we all get dusty every now and then. 
And that's why God has to quicken us. Somebody say quicken us. He has to revive us. He has to revive us. Bible says, first uh, Psalms 119 verse 25, quicken thou me according to thy word. There it is. Thy word is the standard. The word, Hebrews tells us, is uh, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder what? Soul and spirit. It let me know when I'm trying to speak like God is speaking to give me what I want instead of what I need. The word of God is what my soul needs to cling to and the only way that that can take place is that I be revived somebody say I've been revived verse 37 of the same uh, uh, scripture passage Psalm 119 says uh, uh, I hear the psalmist crying out saying turn mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken me somebody say revive me revive me unto thy way oh that's now I see why lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh begin to overwhelm us in this season why because right on the precipice of crossing over into revival the enemy tries to tempt you with eye candy with vain empty things things that feel good but only last for a fleeting moment things that seem like it ought to be what you have or seem like it ought to be something that you deserve to have but is not in the will of God somebody say it's just vain Vanity, vanity, vanity. These vain, empty things try and pull our attention from God. That's why God had to quicken us. Somebody say, quicken us, Lord. Revive us to your way. There is a way, the psalmist said, that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I don't want to be deceived by vanity and, and find myself dead over in the grave. I want to find myself quickened and alive to the way that is right, not seem right. You ever been in a situation where you didn't quite know what to do, so you said, I'm going to do what just seem right. I'm going to do what just feel right, and it still don't work out. Tell your neighbor, you better trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him so that he can direct your path why because his path leads to his ways somebody say revive us O Lord verse 40 says behold I have longed after thy precepts I desire it's something on the inside of each and every one of us that desires to know God better desires to experience him desires to know his precepts his word his ways when you read the Bible it frustrates you when you don't know what God is really saying behind what he's saying and so there's a stirring on the inside of us a longing to understand his precepts and so the Bible says uh, uh, but the way that we can overcome that is allowing him to quicken us or revive us verse 40 says quicken me in thy righteousness somebody say righteousness is still right holiness is still right don't look at me in that tone of voice I know we living in, a, in an age where people feel like they can do and say and think and live and meditate however they want to but there's still a right way Holiness is still right. Oh, man, I, do, I, I know you don't hear that often, but I'm going to echo it. The Bible declares, God said, be ye holy because I am holy. Holiness without which no man can see to God. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I see you looking at me in that tone of voice, but holiness is still right. Sleeping around is still wrong. Masturbating is still wrong. I'm going to go all up and down the aisle if I can. Just because you feel like you had an urge or an itch that don't give you the right to tickle. It's still wrong. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Somebody say, revive us, O oh Lord. You can't cling to the dust and be uh, uh, freed or revived by the word. You got to choose you this day. 
Ooh, I stepped on a toe or two then. Mm-mm. Let's get on down to here to verse 50. Watch, I like this one. This is my comfort in my affliction. I love that. That God is not looking to pull me out of my tough situation, but he wants to give me comfort right in the face of my adversary. Devil throwing blow after blow. Demon trying to knock you off of your high horse. People at work tripping. And I don't figure, I'm still trying to figure out how they tripping and we virtual anyway. You, th- you throwing virtual blows at me and I ain't even seen you in 12 months. How on earth are you still angry with me when I don't even see you? I'm working here on my computer. Why? Because in the midst of my affliction, God is not going to move that thing. He wants to move you in the presence of that thing. My Bible still declares that he prepareth a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The reason perhaps God is allowing those adversaries to stay before you is because he wants to make an open example of his glory right in their presence and those who wished that you would fall he will make your footstool somebody say I've been revived this is my comfort in my affliction for thy word has revived me somebody say I've been revived so we must understand what God is doing in this season he's restoring that term revive is very very abundant in explanation and in, and in definition but in, in short it means to restore life to restore interest to restore condition I want you to think about that <clears throat> to restore life somebody say restore life say restore interest and say restore condition the condition that I used to be in, the condition of, 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 of fruitfulness, the, the condition of, of relevance, the condition of being able to, to, to multiply and, and thrive in the midst of the things that are going on in this time. I am being restored, revived. Here's another one, uh, uh, to restore the strength. Is there anybody who felt over the last 12 months you lost a little bit of strength? Y'all don't worry about my voice. This mess is going to get out whether this voice fold, hold, or close. <laughs> if I got to pass this microphone to somebody else, I have finish the message, my prophet, because the word will not return unto him void. It's going to accomplish what he sent it to do. Somebody say, I've been revived. It means to restore strength. Here's something that God told me uh, that in, in Psalm of. Uh, Psalm 51 and 12, we find David who's, who's in a, a tight spot. He has failed God. He has, he has let God down. Even though he's a man after God's own heart, he suffered a sense of letdown. Uh, but a thing I like about David is that he didn't allow himself to stay in a low place, but he knew where to turn to. <laughs> Even before Christ, he knew that he had the right to come boldly before the throne of grace, that he might obtain mercy, help in the time of need. He needed him and so he began to cry out to God. He said these words. He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Lord, in this time of reviving your people, he says, I'm causing you to be happy. I'm causing you to rejoice in salvation. Watch. It ain't out of style to you to be saved. (laughs) I know everybody else is closeted in their Christianity but you have decided that come hell, high water, sink or swim 
him, you're going to cause the anointing of God to not be hidden. You won't be ashamed of him before men because you know of a certainty that he will not be ashamed of you before your father. I sense the anointing of my mama in this room. Listen, listen, listen. What I'm trying to get you to see is that what the enemy meant to take you out, there's a stirring on the inside of you for you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What am I saying? Joy, Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 8 and 10 that the joy of the Lord is my strength. If I tie Nehemiah's testimony with the testimony of David, that lets me know that the joy of my salvation is the strength of my salvation. That means my salvation is not weak. My salvation is not weary. I didn't get saved by a God who's hiding in the time of trouble, nor ever God who is panicking in the midst of a pandemic. I serve a strong God, a God who's not moved by the winds and the waves that come and go. And since that's the God who saved my soul, then my soul is anchored, strongly founded upon the tenets of that God and that faith. Somebody say, I've restored my strength of my salvation. The strength of my salvation. Watch, 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 watch. He's restored the strength of my salvation. That means uh, I got my joy back. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, I got my joy back. I got my strength back. I got my hope back. Things that I used to run away from. I used to hear folk coughing around me and I get nervous and be concerned. But now I'm quickened and I speak a word over them. Say, you might be coughing. You might be heaving. But I speak the word of God, the breath of life into your lungs. Come here and heal help me uh, sister Stephanie Davis who was on a ventilator for 10 days but God broke her out of there on the 11th day and caused her to live because of a word that God spoke into her vessels we're not running anymore we're not hiding anymore we are intentional why because we have been revived you got but five minutes you got but five minutes watch 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 Psalm 51 and 12, restore unto me the joy, the strength of salvation. Watch. But once you are revived, there's a new responsibility that comes your way. Read verse 13. <laughs> Psalm 51 and 13. You can't just stop at the good part. You got to see what's the, to whom much is given, much is required part. Watch. If you'll put that verse on the screen, Psalm 51, verse number 13. The Bible says... Then will I teach transgressors your ways. And what will be the aftermath? And sinners uh -huh, shall be, not might be, not might consider it. They might brush you off like what you're saying is not important. No, as you have been revived, so shall they be revived. Why? Because once you receive the restoration of the joy, the strength of your salvation in Jesus Christ, there's a fire that's lit on the inside of you. It's called being a witness of God. And you begin looking for people who are in trouble sometimes is there anybody who can say now I receive my responsibility I receive my new assignment that comes from being revived I just wasn't revived so that I could feel good I've been revived to start an awakening in my community you best not let us come back into work in these cubicles because the person that you saw when you left this job ain't the same person you see when they return when you see me in the next time you won't see the first man Adam who was a needing a needy living soul but you're going to see the expression of the last man Adam who is a life giving quickening a revived to revive spirit somebody say he talking about me he talking about me he talking about me somebody say I've been revived 
This has been the case from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The book of Luke tells us in Luke chapter 22, verse number 33, when Peter had found himself right after having come into a true revelation of who Jesus the Christ was, the son of the living God, the Messiah, Yeshua, Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, all those wonderful names. Even after having encountered that, watch, he still needed to be revived. The situation had gotten so tough because he was about to see his Messiah, his Lord, his master, his rabbi, his king, his leader, and his friend taken away. And Jesus uh, told him, listen, buddy, uh, don't get so cocky now because you're going to need to be revived in a season that's to come. Peter responded, no, Lord, I'll never leave you. You just got to know who I am. He said, son, Satan desires you to sift you as wheat. Watch. He said, but I've prayed for you. Is there anybody who remembers the fact that Jesus Christ is the great paraclete and intercessor? Right now, he's a risen Savior who's seated at the right-hand side of the Father, making intercession for you right in the midst of your affliction, right in a time where you're pulling upon revival, and now is the time for your Petros, piece of the rock moment or revelation to become your reality. Peter said, I'll never leave. He said, I've prayed for you that your faith fail you not that your faith fail you not but here's the, uh, the the aftermath or the conversion or the instruction the responsibility the duty the obligation that's given to him after that prophetic utterance he says and when you are converted <laughs> don't keep it to yourself baby there are people who need to hear what you went through they need to hear how in your low moment I had to give you a new name preach Holy Ghost I had to call you from being a hero only Simon and transform you and the Mount of Transfiguration to be a seer and a doer a piece a part a partner with me a piece of the rock don't just tell them about that transition but tell them how you said you'd never leave me and then right in the presence of opposition you cursed me and said you had nothing to do with me don't leave that part out tell them about your high moments tell them about your mountaintop moments but tell them about your valley low moments as well tell them about how when I corralled all of my disciples that I sent my angel to tell them to get them and to get you don't forget about Peter why because though you failed God in the last season you still got purpose in this now season somebody say I may not have done everything right I may not have won every battle in 2020 but by golly I'm still here I'm still standing I'm still still believing I'm still trusting I'm still hoping I'm still singing the song of the Lord I'm still here Peter don't leave that part out tell him about your low places and then tell him about how you told me you never leave me and the thing that you promised you, me you would not do you found yourself because of flesh and humanity doing the very thing that you told me you would not do tell him that part but tell him how I prophesied over your life tell him how I spoke over you in your valley place tell them about a God who is married to the backslider tell them about a God who loved them enough that even when they came stand on their own two feet that I'll be your buckler I'll be your shield I'll be your strength of your right hand I'll be the reason that you're able to make it through low and dark places tell them all of it Peter when you're converted strengthen your brother 
You don't need strength when you're strong. You need strength when you're weak. Is there anybody listening in here? You need the strength of the Lord. You need supernatural when your natural runs out. That's the problem with the church. We want to see supernatural before we maximize our natural. Somebody say, but I've been revived. God don't need revival. I need revival. Revive me, Lord. I've been revived so that I can maximize myself at a greater level. And then we can see the supernatural manifested in our lives. When you have been converted... Strengthen your butt. I like that bird, that word strength. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's the strength of my life. Strengthen your brother. Stir up the joy of your brother. Remind your brother or your sister of why they gave their life to Christ in the first place. Oh, I'm preaching better than you listening now. Watch this. Everybody has a bad moment. Everybody has a moment where they question the, the validity of God in this modern age. That don't disqualify you. What disqualifies you is when you yield to those thoughts or those moments and you get stuck there. My Bible still declares that a righteous man, though he falls down seven times, he don't stay there. He gets up. Is there anybody that has a get up anointing on the inside? of them that regardless of what you faced in latter seasons you're still gonna get up out of that low place you're gonna get up out of that pit and you're gonna testify because you know that it wasn't your power that pulled you out but it was the power of God strengthen your brother remind them of what God did Peter came and did it in Acts chapter 3 I'm done the Bible says in verse number 19 that same Peter not a month or so after having rejected Jesus. About 50 days later, <laughs> he found himself saying, uh-uh, don't misinterpret what's happening here at Pentecost. <laughs> the waters of revival are breaking forth I know I was the same one that told you I ain't had nothing to do with them but that was in my last fearful season I was concerned about what was going to happen to me but now I've been quickened by the Holy Ghost on the inside of me and this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel in the last days I shall pour out of my spirit upon all flesh not just worthy flesh not just preacher flesh not just sacrifice flesh but whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord they're gonna be saved Peter had to testify he had to strengthen his brothers in Jerusalem that had come from all the uttermost parts of the world and let them know that revival has hit the land I just came to tell you today that revival has hit this land and if you look to your left and look to your right, look to your front, look to your back, you're looking at the expressed manifestation of revival. Sitting up in here with folks still catching the COVID out there, but you giving God the glory. Giving God, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Giving God the praise, honoring him and living life without fear. I've been revived. And the reason I've been revived is so that there can be an awakening in the lives of those who are affiliated with me. Wow, what a message. What a word, man. I just love God's word. It's so empowering, so impactful. It causes us to be exactly what God wants us to be. I hope you enjoyed that message. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to catch us via our live stream, you can do so by going to our website, www.michaelgrantministries.net on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. or Tuesdays at 7.15 p.m., both Eastern.
Until next time, I pray that you stay strong in your faith and in all that God is speaking in your life, you have exactly what you say.